This is Fine Rambles, number 54. So (laughs) a friend of mine sent me a link last week to a new product he'd discovered. Grainless tortilla chips. I feel like that Will Ferrell character in uh, in the Ben Stiller movie uh, Zoolander, where and I know you know I know he's the bad guy, and so maybe I should take that into account. But I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. What the fuck is the point of a grainless tortilla chip? Maybe. You know, maybe it's me. Maybe I'm out of sync with reality. <laughs> and, you know, you know, I think that needs to be the default assumption because, you know, times change and people resist change and I'm a person. Maybe I'm the one out of sync. But why are we creating fake shit? If, if you like chips, why not eat chips? If you're If you're gluten intolerant or, you know, God forbid, you have celiac disease, why not just eat almonds, right? I mean, this, you're basically taking almond flour and putting it through a processing facility to turn it into the shape of a tortilla chip, and then you're going to pretend? There used to be something called ersatz, and this was basically when the product sold was fake. It was a substitute for the real thing. And this was very common during wartime. They would make bread out of potato flour, and it didn't taste like bread. It wasn't nutritious like bread. But hey, you know, it was all they had. So they ate it, and they called it bread. Ersatz bread and coffee. You know, this was the same idea. They would, they didn't have access to coffee beans because of the war. And so they made coffee out of acorns, you know, and they grinned and bared it, bore it, bared it. They had to grin and bear it, right? They were, they were at war. And now somehow we've reached a place where it's the elite. It's, it's the wealthy, who are eschewing real things and they're instead voluntarily eating fake products, fake food. And, you know, here's, here's another example. There's this company called uh, Beyond Meat that just went public and it's doing very well. And I look at the product and again, I wonder if they invented it in crazy town. It's a plant-based burger. It's, um, It's vegan meat. It's basically processed and packaged and marketed as meat, but (laughs) it's not meat. It's fake. It's ersatz meat. So for Beyond Burger, the ingredients are water, pea protein, expeller pressed canola oil, yuck, refined coconut oil. For the, uh, the competing product, which is the Impossible Burger, the ingredients are Water, soy protein, coconut oil, sunflower oil, and natural flavors. Oh boy, okay. (laughs) I try to defer judgment, but right now I feel confident enough to say with 95% certainty (laughs) that these are terrible products. They're not just fake, they are insanely unhealthy. And, you know, don't trust me. Like, I'm, I'm just a schlub. But 
go listen to uh, what's his name Tucker Tucker Goodrich on vegetable oils. Vegetable oils are processed seed oils, and they are highly inflammatory, and they may lie at the heart of the whole panoply of Western disease. And, you know, it doesn't end there. I mean, uh, I forget which one, but one of them has soy protein. That's estrogenic. And the other one has pea protein. Soy and pea proteins are just not bioavailable. There's just no nutrition in this product. The micronutrients are not bioavailable. It's a fake product, right? So we've taken a perfectly good healthy food, beef, which we've been eating for millions of years, millions of years, and we're deliberately designing and processing a fake food to replace it. Voluntarily, we're not doing this in wartime conditions. We're doing it at a time when the real thing is readily available. To what point, right, we may be able to design a product in a lab that fools our taste buds, but you can't fool reality. Your body knows this is, this is processed, inflammatory, nutritionless crap. <laughs> it's garbage, right? If you, if you want to be a vegan, fantastic. Eat whole foods that don't have a nutrition label. Why are you, try- why? Why are you trying to deliberately trick yourself into enjoying fake meat. It's fake. We're living in this this age of ersatz. There's this line from The Social Network that really stuck with me. And, you know, maybe Mark Zuckerberg never said it. Maybe it's apocryphal. But it it really haunts me. He He said basically something like, I'm going to take the entire social experience of college and I'm going to put it online. And when I heard that, a shudder (laughs) just ran down my spine because the social experience of college is terrible. It's terrible. It's, It's shallow. It's fleeting. It's this clusterfuck of of clicks and posturing and drama and heartbreak and treating people cavalierly and just terribly. And, you know, Zuckerberg kind of won. I mean, social media is ersatz community. Social media looks real. It feels real while you're using it, right? You think you're actually socializing. I mean, I mean, there they are. There's the person. You're exchanging words. You can see a picture of them. Picture. You can see a picture of them. But it's, but it's fake, it's, it's curated. It's low resolution. It's low bandwidth. There's no, there's no body language. There's no tone. There's no nuance. There is none of the incredibly complex, not at all understood depth of being in an actual, per, actual person's presence in real life. IRL in real fucking life. And, and the real thing is available, but we still prefer somehow the shitty, fake, ersatz substitute. All right, one more step. Let's go into, uh, let's go into the red zone here. <laughs> that, that, uh, that minefield that is discussing 
the current relations between men and women. Is there any doubt that the sexes are farther apart today than ever before? That, I'm trying to think how to put this, that the complementary nature of men and women is under assault. And partially as a result, the sexes are becoming polarized. I think one of the problems is that both men and women have created or had created for them this ersatz product for the other the other sex, for love, for relationships, for committed marriages or partnerships that are messy and complicated and painful where they bring out the best in the other person, where the two people work together, right, to, to confront the, the inevitable suffering and tragedy of the world, to support each other and to help solve problems together. That seems to be going out with the trash. And for men... The ersatz product is pretty straightforward. It's, it's pornography, right? Especially because it appeals to the evolved male desire for multiple partners. I mean, <laughs> right? I'm a guy. Porn eliminates a lot of the messy complexity of a real relationship. There's no, there's no time commitment. There's no cost. I don't have to adjust my life for another human being it's 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 sex on tap <laughs> and it sort of feels real i mean that looks like a real woman it sounds like a real woman but it's not i can't touch her or smell her or talk to her i can't build a life with a website i can't have children with a website it's fake it's fake it's ersatz for women the ersatz product I believe, is social media, Instagram. It's, it's the same idea. This, this website, this channel, eliminates a lot of the messy complexity of a real relationship. A woman can get validation and attention and dopamine with no commitment, with no investment, with no risk, no danger. And instead of having to make an effort to attract one man at a time... I mean, a healthy 22-year-old today in the flush of her youth can post a, <laughs> post a PG-13 pic to Instagram and she might get 10,000 likes. She might get 4,000 comments. Until recently, that was more people than anyone had ever met over the course of their entire life. And Look at these comments. They're, they're, they're fantastic. You're so beautiful. An angel. I love that look. Hearts, smiley faces. It's fantastic. It's attention on tap. You know, there's another term for this, by the way, besides ersatz. It's called super stimulator. There's a book by, I think, Deidre Barnett, who writes about this. She talks about how evolution created sort of human responses to certain stimuli, 
For example, we evolved to enjoy sugar in fruit in small quantities. <laughs> and so what does mankind do? Mankind ends up inventing Krispy Kreme donuts and Haagen-Dazs, right? So, so, na- <laughs> so, so nature created a dial sort of between 1 and 10, and it incentivized evolutionary, evolutionarily robust behavior by cranking the dial up when we do what nature wants, eating sugar, eating fat, you know, pursuing things that help us reproduce. And what did we do, (laughs) right? We didn't figure out a way to turn that dial to 11, a a la spinal tap. We invented ways to crank the dial up to 100, to just turn the dial until it fucking snaps off. You know, it's dangerous, but I want to take this one more step. And this is the idea that when we destroyed religion or when we killed God, we didn't just kill God. We threw out all of the rituals and the practices that surrounded God that were sort of these ancillary memes to the main concept of God. And it seems to me that since we killed God and threw out these these supporting practices, we have been desperately attempting to recreate them from scratch. And because religion evolved over tens of thousands of years of cultural evolution, of natural selection, the substitutes we've come up with are pretty shit. So I look at prayer. Prayer is pretty cool. Prayer is pretty effective. And we've destroyed prayer and we've replaced it with this idea of meditation, which nobody really seems to understand. Most people can't do it consistently and it feels weird. It's an ersatz, it's an ersatz shitty replacement for prayer. Confession is the same idea. I mean, God, you know, the sins of the Catholic Church, but the idea of confession or the practice of confession is pretty cool. I mean, again, like I'm Jewish, what do I know about Catholic confession? But my understanding is you go into this little dark booth, you confess your sins to a priest, and he gives you this like tiny, pitiful penance. You say a few prayers, a few Hail Marys, a few Our Fathers, and then you are free of sin. You are clean. And my understanding is that feeling coming out of the confessional booth is enormously light. You feel free. What has modern society in its rationalist wisdom replaced that ritual with? Therapy. Talking to some shrink. Is that really an improvement? And online now, we're seeing confession being replaced with Maoist struggle sessions. A Maoist struggle session, I almost can't put into words how horrible this was. You had to stand in front of everyone you knew. Your friends had to spit on you. Your parents cursed your name. Everyone you'd ever known hissed and booed and threw things at you. Some people, I think, didn't survive. And then you had to go be re-educated in the country before you could be rehabilitated. Modern social justice mobs are the same thing, except they admit to no path to redemption. 
Confession, by contrast, starts to look pretty good. Another example, dietary laws, very common in religion. You know, the one I'm most familiar with as a Jew is kashrut law. You know, the idea of fasting, the idea of special holidays, the other dietary laws, we've kind of thrown them away. And instead, now we're experimenting with, you know, extreme diets. You have the, you know, the, the carnivore movement on one side who only eats animal products. And then you have the vegans who refuse to eat any animal products. And both sides claim the moral high ground. They've made diet a moral issue. And they're essentially ideologies now where disagreement is blasphemy. So what's my point? I don't even know. But we take these, these things, meat and bread and confession and prayer, and they evolved through thousands of years of natural selection. And we destroy them. And then we scramble, <laughs> we scramble to create substitutes on the fly. And we wonder why the ersatz results are shit compared to what we destroyed. Okay, I think, I think that's enough of a ramble for one week. I will catch you later.